Welcome to Behavioral Grooves and our special standalone grooving session. This podcast explores stories, science, and secrets from the world's brightest thought leaders for the curious at heart. I'm Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. In this episode, Kurt and I are going to groove on the conversation that we had in the last episode, a fantastic conversation with Kelly Paxton, the author of Embezzlement, How to Detect, Prevent, and Investigate Pink Collar Crime, and the podcast host of Great Women in Fraud. We had so much fun talking to Kelly and learned so much about pink collar crime. So let's get into what we thought about the conversation with Kelly, Tim. Let's discuss what we learned, have our normal free-flowing conversation, and talk about whatever else comes into our fraudulent brains. Oh, we are. We are. Or, or it could be our embezzlement brains, I, <laughs> you know, or our lying, cheating crazy brains. Okay, or... that's getting dark. Now, now, now it's just getting dark. No, that would be our murderous, our <laughs> devious, <laughs> conniving. Conniving, manipulative. Yeah. Man- oh, manipulative. That's a good one. Well, that, but uh, all right. So going back to, to Kelly's conversation, again, fantastic conversation. And this idea, though, that pink collar crime, A, first off, isn't just pink because it's female it's it's the you know it's the idea that hey the people that are in these positions are the ones that are doing this and they just tend to to be more women focused positions but i think the another piece of this that i found fascinating was this idea that you know these aren't hardened criminals no. these are not yeah. the people that have you know they might have a traffic ticket here or there but that's it but it is the everyday Joe that, or Jill, that is doing these types of, you know, crimes. And that's the sad and scary part of this in in my mind. I have a friend who's in a, a group called From Prison to PhDs. And it's specifically organized for people who have uh, been incarcerated and have come out of that and are pursuing not just, you know, a degree, but a PhD. You know, so these are people who are bright and committed. And, and you know, the, the story is that most of them committed crimes because of context, right? Because of the environment that they were in, opportunity, pressure, rationalization, things like this, the fraud triangle that, that Kelly talks about. They're not there because they are hardened criminals. They're not. They're not the, you know, uh, you know, rough and tough, you know, bad guy classic images. Yeah. But they, they're, they're all we would think of as being good people and they're in the wrong positions. Okay. But you're not saying that this prison to PhD is all pink collar crimes, right? This no, is no, other people no, doing different things. Yeah. But, okay. Which but is a lot an- of it. A lot of it's embezzlement though. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of think about that, right? Because in order to embezzle, you probably are pretty smart. You have to understand the systems and and all of those and various different aspects of it. I think it's really interesting to think about the, the fraud triangle that she talked about, right? This idea that there is this opportunity, the pressure that is placed upon people, and then the rationalization afterwards. And I think it's really key when you talk about this prisoner to PhD is that rationalization, because in their minds, I don't know if people actually think they're bad, right? And the ability for them to then take that to the next level and say, all right, how do I justify this? How do I justify this act that I know is not right? 
and move forward and and do it, I think is is a key piece of this. And I love this after the fact of going back and saying, all right, well, you've done this, you've been caught, obviously you've been in prison for this, but that's not who you are. So let's get you a PhD. And then this is a real reframing of you from a self-identity perspective, which could be an entire, entire podcast in and of itself. So yeah, I think that's just interesting and I don't necessarily want to go down that conversation at this point, but no, yeah. yeah, Progress principle, all kinds of cool stuff. Well, let's talk about what, what can you do if, if you're a boss and you're concerned about being ripped off? How, How about, how about if we just spend a couple minutes on that? Because there are some there's some just really good practical tips that that Kelly gave that I think that as business leaders, if you've got, especially if you're in charge of, of, of the finance function, you've got to be thinking about controls. You really, yeah. regardless of who you've got doing the work and how friendly you are with them and how much you trust them, this isn't just a Ronald Reagan trust, but verify. It's actually just having good business controls in your business so that you mail your bank statement to your home. Right. Yep. You know, just just separate out the, the the functions. Surprise your accountants with the with the off the cuff audits. Right. Yep. That would that that I thought was a really big deal. And then something that she said that I thought was really cool is like if you've got that inclination that you think that things might be amok, talk to somebody. Talk to another business leader. Like don't hide it. You know, don't be don't be the guy who won't talk about, you know, I'm being defrauded by, you know, some petite woman, you know, don't, don't make it a masculinity thing, make it a business thing. Um, I thought that that was, that was pretty damn important. And, you know, maybe most importantly, create a culture where people feel like it's okay to make mistakes and to admit them. That's a, those are, those are things that business leaders can do. I I don't know. Thoughts about that, Kurt? So I want to go back to actually the very first thing you said, where giving some let's give some ideas or help for for leaders who are concerned about they might be getting ripped off. And I think the more important piece here is is for those leaders who don't think that they're going to be ripped off. This idea that, no, Joe would never do that or Jill would never do that or there's no way that would happen here because we do have these systems in place. So I'm not concerned about being embezzled at all. And those, I think, are the people that actually need to be thinking about this. Because if you are concerned, hopefully you are putting some of these stopgap measures in place, these procedures that are looking at this. And she does bring up some fantastic elements around that. The ones that you mentioned, mailing your bank statement, you know, separation of duties, doing those off the cuff audits. I thought those are all fantastic. But I think the one of the bigger problems is knowing how frequent this is and that it could happen to you, even if you have full trust in the people that are doing this, if you don't have those systems in place. And that, I think, is the key thing. Like, how do you convince somebody? If you are in a, maybe you're not even in leadership position. Maybe you're just in an everyday hands-on position, or maybe you're not overseeing the finance. Maybe you're in leadership of, of marketing and the finance people are over there and your, your company. How do you convince that person who is overseeing that, that this is an issue and that they need to be putting these procedures in place? Because if they don't have that mindset, 
it's hard to get people to think that they're going to be gullible. It goes back to that idea that, you know, it's not talked about. So it doesn't seem like it's that prevalent. And yet, as Kelly said, it is. Well, and taking it from that position of the business leader who is not responsible for finance uh, and accounting, then there's an aspect of influence and persuasion, right? Mm -hmm. Then we we can go to John Levy and Robert Cialdini, and we can start thinking about, well, what are the ways that I could possibly influence the leaders of the accounting and finance functions to take on more responsibility and to, to... to set up the controls that will actually allow the business to function more safely. So I think if you're in that position, the thing that you could do is just make sure that somebody listens to the interview that we just did with Kelly. I think that would be a, hey, hey, great podcast out there. You should listen to this. Um, there you go. What do you think? That was the best I'm not making a pitch pitch that I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think you bring up a really good point is how do you influence those people that are in the position to have this? And if you have if you are in that position, if you're an entrepreneur, you have a small company, you are the as you and I both are, right? We are we are the people who write the checks and do different things for our own companies. But, you know, when we get to a point where we have those accountants and the bookkeepers and all of the others that are doing that because we have behavioral grooves has grown so big that we're raking in the millions <laughs> of dollars that come in. We can dream. Oh, okay, okay, um, we can dream. We yeah. can dream. But, you know, when that happens, we need to make sure that we set these procedures up yes, because yes. – it's too easy. And, you know, I talked about, you know, the the club that I was in that was embezzled and we we trusted that person. We, yeah. you know, we gave them gifts for their family. We felt like they were part of our group, all of these things. And yet, you know, they had the opportunity. They had the, you know, they had the pressure on them and they rationalized it. I mean, that whole triangle was filled out. I mean, they had a you know, they could cash the checks, even though it's supposed to require two. They knew that that didn't the banks didn't care and they would just go ahead and cash. Or maybe we didn't even have that. I don't remember. And they had a gambling problem and it was this, yeah. you know, element. And then they had this. Well, I'll just pay it back when I win. Right. And so they're rationalizing this and I'll cover it up before it even gets to be an issue. So and. That's a really important point that you're making, Kurt, that even though you were creating an environment of recognition and support and feeling like like this person was was uh, a part of the, like you said, kind of part of the culture and part of the family, so to speak, of the organization, they still had they still had pressure on them, they still had opportunity, and they're still able to rationalize. And the the best way to overcome those things, is going to be with controls, separation of duties, the things that we just talked about. At the same time, that doesn't mean you shouldn't treat your employees well. You've got no. to recognize them. You've got to create a supportive environment. You've got to allow people to be able to fail and talk about their failures and not get punished for it. Yeah, I mean, it, you bring up a really good point is that the likelihood of somebody embezzling goes down the more that they feel like they're being treated well and that this is a good company and that you're doing all the the right things, right? It's that psychological safety that they have. Can employees speak up? Can they say they made a mistake? Can they be forgiven? 
Are you giving, are you recognizing them? Are you giving them some perks, some other things that they go, all right, I might not be getting paid, but they're doing these other things as much as they can. And I think there is this big thing. And I, I, I love, I think Kelly said this, you know, it's like, does the CEO live out of the corporate checkbook? This idea that are the leaders who, you know, if you, the owner of the company, are you spending that money that you really shouldn't be? Are you paying for those things out of the company that really should be personal expenses so that you're setting up this environment that people are going to say, that's okay. He's doing it. I can, I can do it as well. And just making sure that you're being up and up with what you're doing. And I look at my own self and I go, all right, yeah, there are probably things that as I'm doing this, I go in, all right, is that meal that I'm expensing, is it really a business meal? Is it not? And if I had a bookkeeper, would they be looking at that going, are you really, are you really taking that as a, as a company write-off? And having the company, you know, corp or credit card, you're putting that on there. All right. Well, those are those things that we just take for granted often. Right. Right. And maybe we shouldn't. I think it's a great opportunity for business leaders to uh, check their existing procedures, processes, and to think about the way that they're treating their employees kind of twofold, really. And maybe that leads me to think about sort of asking the people who are listening to the podcast or your listener, what can you do to improve your workplace this week? Mm. What could you do differently, right? What what could you do to help your employees feel like you appreciate them and aware of their efforts? What what are the what are the processes and controls that you're currently using that could be improved? And to have them take a look at their own spending and habits yes. and yeah. Take a outside perspective. What does, don't rationalize your own behaviors, but take an outside perspective. What does this look like to that bookkeeper who's making $13 an hour? What does it look like when you're doing all these fancy trips and other facets of buying these different pieces and go, all right, is this really the image that I want to give? And is this the right thing to do? And think through that. And so if uh, if you're out there, if you have your own company, if you are the leader in a company, we we implore you, take a look at that. Implore, you know, what are you doing in your workplace? What are you doing for your employees to make them appreciated? And what are you doing on your own stuff that may be perceived as not being all, all on the up and up? And let us know what you do about that and if that is something that you can change. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, Groovers, we want to thank you for listening. We hope you like this new split grooving session. If you do, please let us know. And as always, go out and find your groove this week. <laughs>